hallelujah. I've heard this thing, I've heard this uh, many, many times, and it still undoes me because our God is so big. He's strong and he's mighty and nothing, there is nothing my God cannot do. And sometimes I feel so sorry for people who don't have a God who's big enough. They don't realize that there is a God who is. There is a God who can do anything. But he won't do it without us. That's why we're co-laborers with Christ. Hallelujah. I'll try not to move this too much. Apparently, I'm making a lot of noise. Thank you. Yes, kids. Thank you. It's a good thing. When I hear this song, it reminds me of 1 Samuel 17, where it talks about Goliath coming and defying the armies of God. And David rose up. And you all know the story. Big, giant, little David stone hit, boom, victory. And it's an incredible, incredible thing that God did because... I don't know statistics, but I think it was like one in a billion, trillion, gazillion opportunity for him to actually hit that spot because he was fully armored. But God knew. He, God wasn't looking for David to kill Goliath. He was looking for a servant who was willing to stand up for the sake of his name. And that's what David did. David didn't say, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to show them I can do it. He said, how dare you defy the living God? How dare you stand there and defy the name of the living God? And he went out and he told them clearly, today God has given you into my hand. And there's so much to that because we need God to move in us and through us but we need to show up or nobody's going to, it's not going to happen. God didn't throw a sling supernaturally, have a stone just go flying in the air and hit him and kill him. He needed a servant who was willing to stand on his behalf. All he needed was a, well, a willing vessel. He didn't need David to kill the giant. He needed David to stand in the na his name and go through what needed to be done, knowing it was God who was going to give him the victory. So let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are here. You're in every one of us. When we gather, there's this anointing, a corporate anointing, that we cannot find alone at home. It doesn't make our, that anointing alone at home not valuable and not powerful but if one can send a thousand and two can send ten thousand then four can send a million to flight 
There is power in a corporate anointing. And things happen here that can happen in my own private house. And I thank you that you established this. And that's why you said that we should gather in your name. And when two or more are gathered, whatever we ask, we will have it. So, Father, we are here, more than two, and we are asking for breakthrough. We're asking for the breakthrough in our lives, but that thing that holds us back to finally let go, or for us to finally step out of. We're asking for joy amidst difficult times. We're asking for peace that doesn't make any sense, but you've promised it for us because our circumstances say you shouldn't have peace right now. We're asking for joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're asking for a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness that can only be satisfied in you. We're asking for ears that can hear eyes that can see and hearts that are quick to respond to you for you are our lord our god our creator our savior our king you are the all victorious almighty all-knowing everywhere all the time knows the end from the beginning, reigns in righteousness forever your kingdom has been established. Your beauty and your majesty capture our hearts. And all we need, oh God, is a glimpse and it draws us to you. Thank you for forgiving us, for establishing our way, for reconciling us to you and to one another and bring in restoration and those things that the enemy has stolen and even the things that he was given because we were foolish at that moment and yet God you forgive us and you pay back thank you we honor you today we ask that you come open our eyes to understand your word in such a way that we can walk it out this week how we are Amen. So when David went out to battle and he talked to Saul, the king at the time, who was hiding because he was frightened of this big bad man, because he didn't know his God like David did. David knew his God because he spent time with him constantly. He spent time with him. But when he stood before Saul, Saul said, you really think you can kill this big dude? He goes, why not? He said, my God delivered me out of the hands of a lion and a bear. In fact, I delivered the sheep that the lion was going after, and I took it right out of their mouth, and I killed them both. David had stones in his sling before he ever put a stone in his sling because he had a memory of what God has already done. And when that uh, Sean, I never say his last name, so we're just on a first-name basis. When he said, you know, he started remembering the pictures and the stories about the Jesus movement and all these people 
you know, that got baptized in the ocean. And it's so amazing because that, that was my old stomping grounds. Huntington Beach, we were there every Saturday unless we went to Newport Beach because that's what we did as a family. And we always went to the same lifeguard. So anybody who wanted to come visit us knew where we were because we went to the same one and said, see you there. I know that ocean. I'm thinking, how do you, this is my mind, how do you baptize somebody in those waves? <laughs> you know, Huntington Beach is where they do the national surfing competition. <laughs> It's like, okay, you're going down. Quick, take a breath. Okay, the wave's gone. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. I really don't. I just think, wow, that's faith. Because <laughs> there's some big waves. And you don't go down far enough, you're going to catch the wave all the way in somersault. I know. I have scars on my kneecaps. Praise God for the memories of what he has done. Because it gets us where we are and where we're going. Daniel 7.25 tells us that the tactic of the enemy is to wear out the saints. And his intention is to change the times and the law. In the complete Jewish Bible, it's a, the CJB Bible, it says, he will attempt to alter the seasons and the law. The enemy knows that he can't get a strong believer to stop pursuing the things of God. He can't get us to stop declaring, to stop believing. When we're standing in God, we're standing firm. But have you ever noticed what happens when all of a sudden you're working crazy hours or the same person over and over does the same thing over and over that affects you and your family or somebody you love? Or you watch over and over somebody being taken advantage of and nobody and over and over and over and over? What happens? You start saying things like this. I've had enough. This is ridiculous. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm just so sick and tired of this garbage going on. And we start filling the tired. We feel the weariness of the battle. And it's harder to forgive than it was before. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't talk to you like that. That's okay. I forgive you. I know. I love you. I love you too. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Yeah, you know, you need to really stop. I know, this is really hurtful, I know. But I forgive you and I love you. I love you too. Oh, I'm sorry. I asked you, please don't do that anymore. I know, I was wrong. Please forgive me. I forgive you. I love you. I'm sorry. You know, you got to make some changes here. You don't just say I'm sorry, that makes it all better. I know, I know, I'm trying. I'm really trying. Okay. Will you please forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. I love you. I love you too. I'm sorry. Has anybody ever been there? It's very hard when you hit the same stinking chair leg with the same toe time after time and you think, I'm just going to destroy this chair because it's always in my way. That's 
a tactic of the enemy, but we tend to look at the people. We tend to look at the circumstances, and we tend to forget that we have an enemy who's out there like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he can't devour you if you're a David who can kill you like he killed the lion and the bear. So he has to wear you out first. People who have been in war, you all know. When does the enemy like to hit? Late at night or or they send wave after wave after wave because they're trying to wear people out. When you're tired, it's harder to stand firm. And one of the first things that personally happens to me is my joy, it starts to do this. And I forget when my joy is doing that, that without joy, my strength in the Lord is waning. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. We know that because it's in, let me find it real quick, um, Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. During hard times, especially during repentance. I don't know if you've ever just felt like, God, I'm so awful, and I just don't think I'm ever going to get this right, and you're repenting, repenting, and you feel the sorrow, and that's right. You should feel sorrow for what you've done, but then when you've forgiven, you've got to let it go. And that's what was happening in Nehemiah's time. These people were repenting. They saw they had walked away from the Lord. And God said, let it go. This is a holy day. On holy days, we celebrate. On holy days, we celebrate. Hallelujah. I love holy days. They're a lot more fun. So, Today I'm talking about joy, because joy is what we need, I believe, a good boost of right now, because you don't have to look very far or hear very much to have your joy start to go like this, because I'm done with the economy, because I'm done with the, because I'm done with, and we could just fill that in with a hundred thousand things, and I'm not going to say any of them because I'm trying to stay on track today. But we need joy. We've had a lot of people diagnosed with a lot of things. That can make you start going, well, they're going to have to change this to sick valley, not healing valley. I mean, it can start to get on you when you think, another one, another one, another one? God, where are you? Sometimes I feel like Elisha when he hit the river Jordan with Elijah's mantle and says, where is the God of Elijah? Because we're not seeing it. We're not experiencing it like we know we can. And we get weary waiting. But God says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. In the Living Passion Translation, Philippians 4.4, says, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow. So that's hard seasons. That's good seasons. That's bad seasons. That's dry seasons. That's wet seasons. That's flood seasons. That's icky seasons. That's good seasons. No matter what the season, let your joy overflow. Um, in James 1, 2, in the, trans, uh, the the Passion Bible, it says, Rejoice 
Oh, I didn't write it all down. I'm sorry. I gotta look this one up. I apologize. Some of this is written down, some of it isn't. I've had an interesting couple weeks. I've spent more time at work than I have at home. Not my preference. And thank God it's not my husband's. <laughs> so we're going to go to James, and we're going to look this up. And I know that a lot of people know this scripture, um, maybe in the King James, you know, uh, consider all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials and temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith will bring you patience and endurance. And that if you allow it to do its, per its full work, you'll, have, you'll be perfect in every way. It's a wonderful thought. Not so easy to live out, but it's a wonderful thought. But in the Living Translation, it says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can. Now, there's a really good way to say it, but it's hard when you're in the middle of it, to embrace it. And yet, the joy of our Lord gives us the strength that we need because our confidence is not in God. Our confidence, I'm sorry, our confidence is in God. It is not in ourselves. Sorry, I don't know why I flipped that, but I did. So, the Lord was talking to me about different things we can do because do you ever feel like you God just don't have the joy Lord I don't know how I can't just go to the store and pick it up I can't go get a shot and have it infused into me joy I had my joy shot today how are you do you need one too you know it's not a fake thing the joy of the Lord is real and it starts from your innermost beating being and it bubbles out it's not something that you just go I am filled with joy and if you cannot see it that's your problem Sometimes I feel like that, which is really stupid, because obviously I'm not very joyful at that moment. But, you know, how, how many of us have tried to do that? You're trying. It's like they say, I, I heard a, a pastor once say, it's like try, trying to do it on your own strength. It's like stripping a screw. You're trying, and you're trying, and you're trying. Before you know it, you just ruin it. Now the screw doesn't work, and you're just without. So there are several things the Lord spoke to me about. Um, how we can get our joy. So, first of all, he said we can wait. If we wait on the Lord, not just wait. Are you coming? I got things to do. Okay, I'll catch you later. I don't have time to wait. I mean, wait. Sit. It takes time. I'm not a good waiter. I mean, maybe I'd be a good waiter. But I'm not a good waiter. I, I, I'm not a good waiter. It's hard for me to still myself. In fact, I have learned that the only way I can still myself is to get into God's presence, to still myself. And I do that through worship and praise. Because I enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and into his courts with praise. And then the next step is worship. And then I'm in his presence. Then I can wait. I can wait for a long time because I love that place. And I don't like to wait. But waiting on the Lord is not easy because we know it's a, it's a block of time. 
And time is a valuable thing right now. It's very hard for people anymore to just sit and wait for the Lord. But we are told in Isaiah 40, in fact, I want to read it because I, I'm going to go a little beyond that to um, start a little bit before the scripture. So starting with verse 28. This is in the Amplified. I'm going to read through. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become tired or grow weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who has no might, he increases power. Even the youth grow weary and tired. And vigorous young men, they can stumble badly. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, they look for, and they hope in him, they will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. So if you're finding weariness is overtaking you, when you wait on the Lord, you will renew your strength. Another thing that really is important and helpful and that is, we need to be in his presence. Now, when we are in God's presence, somebody took Psalms out of my Bible. Why is it not here? I'm sorry. I was going to have this all marked, but I didn't. So. Psalm 16:11 says in which one do I want the amplified okay He tells us you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy in God's presence there's fullness of joy and in his right hand there are pleasures evermore it's a refreshing, reviving place to be in the presence of God. I already read James 1, 2, but we have to allow the Lord to change our mindset. We have to, we have to purpose our mindset. You know, David in Psalms 103 said, Be still, my soul. He, he was talking to his own soul. He was troubled, and he was having a hard time. But he knew that God is the only one that can give him what he needs, but he has to do his part. And so he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless him. Bless him. You're not happy. Bless him. You're seeing awful things. You need to start blessing the Lord. You need to remind yourself of who he is and what he does. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
and don't forget any of his benefits. This is our God. He doesn't just love us and love on us and care for us. But all of his benefits, the healing, that was done before he even hit the cross. He said we were healed by his stripes. We have everything that we need for life and godliness. These are promises from God. When we don't see those promises fulfilled, we get discouraged. And that's why it's so very, very important that we keep ourselves filled with the joy of the Lord, being in his presence, seeing it from his perspective, hearing his heart in the matter, and letting that build our trust and confidence. You know, when... When Peter denied Christ three times, I think Pastor Steve touched on it last week or the week before, you know, he denied him three times. Well, then after Jesus rose from the dead, he, when they were out having breakfast, Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, I love you, Lord. And then he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, I love you. And then he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And I didn't realize until a few years back I heard someone teaching on the fact that three times he was denied, so three times he was established in his relationship back with the Lord. And I had something happen to me which was really fun. I love the supernatural. I want to live in it more than I do. Of course, that takes time, being in his presence. That takes allowing myself to press in when sometimes I don't want to press in because I'm just tired. Unlike everybody, everybody's like me. Unfortunately, we're all, there's no temptation taking you, but that was just common to man. So I have no excuse that makes me better or worse than anybody. I'm just along with everybody else on the ride here. So we were worshiping friends uh, at, a, at a celebration. I think it was Christmas time. And this ladies' group that we're all part of, Sharon and myself and Barb, some of you know Barb and some others, there's, we have a group of women, and, and we've been had been a group for a long time, and we were worshiping the Lord and just celebrating His presence. And one thing we did every time we gathered, before we did anything, is we would just stand in a circle and pray in the Spirit. Now I know that some people think that's crazy, but I'm telling you right now, when we did every time, every time we did it, and every time the Spirit of God would come in an incredible way, because we were in unity and we knew we needed Him, and we didn't care what we sounded like, and nobody had to interpret because it was our own prayer language. We weren't teaching or training or doing anything. We were speaking. The Word says, "When you gather together, come prepared with songs and spiritual songs." That means you're singing in the Spirit. To pray, you pray in your language. We would get together, we would pray in the spirit, and God would fall. Some people told me, you know, that's not really biblical because you're not interpreting. I said, well, if it's not biblical, you'll have to talk to God because he shows up every time. We are praying our prayer language. He shows up every time. And then we worshipped him, and we would eat our meal and celebrate, and, and it was just a fun time. Well, this one time we were together, we were worshipping, and then some started to go to eat, and I was just in his presence, and, and so were others, and we just didn't want to go just yet. We were lingering, kind of like Moses had to leave, but Joshua stuck out, stuck, you know, stuck around for a while because he just wasn't ready to leave the presence of God. And as I was lingering there, just enjoying the Lord, I felt myself do a flip. I didn't know, and I was glad somebody was there to see it, that I actually 
did a flip. I just was worshiping the Lord. I don't do flips. Ever. I don't try. I don't want to. I will hurt myself. I'm worshiping the Lord. And I saw a reel with a hook, like a fishing rod. This hook came and it grabbed me and it pulled me. And, and, it, and it pulled me and I went forward in a flip. And I was laying on my back and there was a, I was seeing this vision. I was hanging from a fishing line. I didn't get hurt. I was just hanging there. And in front of me was a river, a big waterfall. Now I'm hanging over the waterfall. I can see the water. It's right here. I'm like a foot from this waterfall. The water's running. I'm hanging. I'm just hanging. And I said, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> this is really different. And he said to me, do you trust me? Now I'm walking against the current. I don't know, maybe a few of you have thought that I'm kind of one of those people who likes to go against the current. I was going against the current. I'm hanging. I don't know how to move. I can't go anywhere. God has me. I'm going against the current. And he says to me a second time, do you trust me? And I thought, yeah. And then he asked me again. Now, the third time he asked me, I'm starting to remember the story of Peter. And I'm getting a little bit nervous because I don't know what's coming. I just know if there's one thing I don't ever want to do, and that is to stop trusting my father. I've had a lot of things in my life, some things that the enemy did, some things that I opened the door to the enemy to do. I made stupid choices, I've made good choices, and I've had seasons of hard and seasons of not so hard. When you, the longer you live, the more stories you have to tell. It's the truth, but it's also a blessing because every story ends with a happy ending because my God is faithful to his word. And I'm saying that God is getting ready to grab a hold of his people, and all he wants us to do is trust him. You know, you can't have faith if you don't trust the Lord. What are you going to put your faith on? an unfaithful God. You have to know your God. That's why Daniel did what he did, because he knew his God, and he was strong, and he did great exploits. Those who know their God, those that know their God, when you know somebody, you trust them. You have to know them before you can put confidence in them. Have you ever heard somebody, I need a roof? Well, I heard somebody, a friend of mine had this person come, and they did the roof, and they kind of liked them. I don't know if they're any good, but you can give them a shot. You can't put your, you can't back it, because you don't know. You didn't experience it. But those that experience the living God, who know him, who are confident in who he is and what he said and what he does, those that know that no matter what, his good, he has good for you. And that his faithfulness to his promises, he never speaks a word that he does not perform. So 
since I believe this, with everything I am, when I don't have joy in my trial, I go to God and say, God, you said it's not there. You don't lie. What am I missing? And that's what the word is all about. The word of God tells us God's heart for us. It tells us the promises that we have. And he tells us in his word that all his promises are yes and amen to those who are faithful and true. He is faithful and true. He is faithful and true. He cannot lie. He cannot change his mind. He is not like a man who can be here today and there tomorrow. He is steadfast. He is always. He is constant. His word always does what his word says it will do. But we have a part to play. And I think that's how we get weary sometimes, because we're waiting for God to do it. I'm waiting, God. I'm waiting, God. Okay, God, maybe you didn't mean me. Maybe you didn't mean this sickness. Maybe you didn't mean this time. Maybe you didn't mean, and what do we do? We take God's word and we adapt it to who we are and what we've experienced and what Joe Schmo down the road told you. But you got to go back to the word of God. And that is one of the ways that we know how to build up our heart and our, our, um, our spirit. I'm going to take you to Jeremiah 15, 6. All right. That's not it. Wow. You don't want me to read that one. That's not a happy word. Where, where is it? Oh, my goodness. Okay. I know that they didn't take it out of my Bible. Okay, maybe we're not going to read this one because this is really... This is what's going to happen to his enemies. You don't want to hear this part. The word I'm looking for, which I can't find right now, is um, that Jeremiah was disheartened, but he he remembered the word of the Lord, and it encouraged him. And I'm not sure where that's at now, because for some reason it's no longer... Oh, here it is. It's 16, not 6. Okay. Um, he says, your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became a joy to me and the delight of my heart. Isn't that awesome? I just love that. I love that. Your words were found, and I ate them. I devoured the word. I fed my spirit, my soul, my body with the truth of the word of God. And his words became a joy and a delight to me. If you're feeling dry and weary, get in the word. His word will build you up. It'll encourage you. It'll remind you of who he is. When I stand and I say, God, you said, you told me, those that fear the Lord, their children will rise up and worship me. God, not all of my children are worshiping you right now. 
but I fear you, God, and your word never changes. And I'm not standing here telling you because you already know your word. And I'm not declaring it because I know your word. But I want to make sure the enemy knows that I know the word of God and he has not taken my children. That is taking the word and using it as a sword against your enemy. I know my God never forgets his promises. And I know his promises. And although sometimes I forget them, when I remember them, I tell the enemy, this one's for you. This is what my God said. When that prophet spoke, he said, oh, God says to you, I'm going to take all of your children. Actually, he said family. I'm taking your whole family, and I'm going to get them on the same plane at the same time, and I'm going to take the plane out of here. The same time. I've had this one rise up in the Lord, and this one not struggled now. Then I have this one, and this one serving the Lord, but this one's struggling now. Then I have nobody wanting to walk with the Lord, but one struggling. Then I have all of them wanting to walk with the Lord, but only for a few minutes. They're like, do, 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 and I just laugh now. Because the enemy's a liar. And he ain't going to take my joy. Because God made me a promise. He said, I'm going to get all of your children on the same plane at the same time. And I'm going to get that plane off the ground. And they're hitting the heavenlies. And I tell the enemy that almost every day. I don't care what you say. I don't care how it looks. And this is what helps keep my joy. The word of the Lord is his word. Whether it's a spoken word, a promise that God has said. God says he will not let this happen or he will take this and he's going to use it in a way you never thought possible no he didn't do it but he's using it because what the enemy meant for evil he is going to turn it around for your good that is a promise and then you stand on that promise you declare that promise you go to god in tears and say how long god but i know you promised help me to wait longer help me to not be impatient because my time frame is not god's time frame I can pray for, for Johnny to go visit Sally because Sally needs to hear maybe what Johnny has to say, but maybe God doesn't want Johnny. Maybe that's not the ear that she would hear. Maybe it's really Paul. Maybe it's really Sue. God knows the vessels, and he knows when to use them. And we have joy every time God uses us. When was the last time God did something, used you? Did you not, like, want to kick your heels? I would do it, but, well, I'm not in shape, and I would just fall. But it's exciting to be used by God. It's wonderful to know you get to plant a seed that maybe somebody else will water. But man, when you get to be the harvester, woohoo! That's awesome. There's so many ways that our joy can be stirred up in us. One is through obedience. Obedience brings joy. And sometimes we think about it as a negative. And maybe I say that only because sometimes I think of it as a negative because sometimes obedience is really painful. I don't really want to do that right now, God. God, are you talking like today? I mean, can I do that next week? God, you want me to do what? Lord, I've got 10 minutes. I've already lost 30 of them, which means now I'm really behind. And you want me to stop and talk to this person? You want me to stop and help that one? You want me to pull off the side of the road and do what? Sometimes we think, you know, God, this isn't convenient. But there is joy in obedience. So John 15, 10 tells us, If you keep my commandments and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I remain in his love. And I've told you these things so that my joy and delight might be in you and that your joy made full and complete and will be overflowing. Do you feel like you've lost joy? Maybe there's just something that you need to get right with the Lord. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're offensive. Sometimes we think, well, that might have been a little sharp, but they know my heart. I didn't mean it that way. Well, I can be really offensive. I probably, I hope I haven't offended anybody here, but I might have. Because I can be bold and I can be sharp and I can be bigger than life. That's how God made me. And as he's teaching me how to do it in a way that brings him honor, then that's a bonus. Because <laughs> that's what he does. He's taking us from glory to glory. But obedience is important to joy. And I've talked to a lot of people, and I've been there myself, where I don't have joy, and I can't figure out why. And then as you ask the Lord, he begins to show you something that he told you to do, and you just didn't do it. And when you get that made right, the joy comes back. There's joy in obedience. And then in First Peter 1.8 Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not even see him now, you believe and you trust in him, and you greatly rejoice, and you delight with inexpressible and glorious joy, receiving as the result or the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. Trusting the Lord brings you joy. Believing he is who he says he is, that will help to restore your joy. Because when you believe that he is, you know he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's Hebrews 6. If you believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, then you know that when you are where you should be, it brings joy. You ever get lost somewhere traveling? And oh, the GPS, it can take you journeys like you never thought possible. And you think, are we ever going to get there? And when you finally get there, you get so excited. My Samuel is our youngest, and he's not this now, he's this. But when he was five, we flew to California. And it was a one-way trip. I mean, a one, I'm not a one-way, sorry. I came back. Um, it's, it, it was a straight-through shot, no, no stops. Now, my Samuel it was an interesting child. My, God said he, will, he is a Samuel, and he, he is a prophet. He hasn't uh, um, grabbed a hold of that reality just yet. That's okay. I just wait. I declare and I wait. But he didn't hardly sleep. Like, you know, newborn babies, newborn babies, they take naps. He never napped. No, he never napped. Like, I'm in the hospital. I just had him. He didn't nap. He did not nap. This child did not like a car seat. Oh, well, he won't sleep. Put him in the car seat. Well, we did it with the other three, not Sam. You hook him into that car seat, he would cry the entire trip. Why? Because he didn't want to be contained. 
he was my hardest child to potty train. Why? Because he wouldn't sit still. He could not watch a show without playing. He could not sit for very long in school. I homeschooled this child. I know I got treasure in heaven for this one. Because he couldn't sit. I don't know if you've ever tried to teach a child how to read who can't sit still. But he would do this. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. He's sitting. And he would say, I'd say, go ahead and read that, honey. He had a pencil. The, 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 the cat, the cat, the cat, the cat, the cat. The cat sat. The cat sat. Good job, Sam. And I'm like going like this. He could not sit still. This child could not. I'm so glad I homeschooled him. They would have drugged him. They would have said he had all kinds of letters. You know, he has he's a he has A B C D. He has Q R V G. He has you know, and he didn't. He was just a little boy who had a lot of energy. I had to take him. I would say to him, Sam, you need to go outside and run around the house. And I want you to count, honey, every time you come to the front door. One, the next time, two, the next time. I want you to do that five times. And he's like five years old, right? He, he knows five. And you would go outside and you'd run five times around the house. Why? Because he had so much energy, he could hardly stand it. Why? I don't know. He didn't sleep. This was a child who was like amazing. He's an amazing man. But when he was a child, he was an amazing child. I would look at him and go, that's amazing. <laughs> I just could hardly keep up with him. And praise God, when he was a baby, I had fibromyalgia before God healed me. And let me tell you, that was a trip to try to keep up with that child when I could hardly function. But God is so good. And I think sometimes that that's what he sees when he sees us. He says to us, it's okay, I want you to sit down. I got this. I just want you to be at peace. And I'm going to come, and I'm going to take care of it. Here we go. God says he's going to come soon. He says he's got this. I'm, 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 I'm going to be healed. Okay, I got it. I'm going to be healed. Am I healed? No, I'm not healed yet. Okay. God, God says he's going he's gonna to save my husband. Is, is he saved? No, not yet. Okay. God, God says he's going to provide. He's going to provide. He says he's going to provide. He says he's going to provide. I know he's going to provide. He's going to provide. God's faithful. He's going to provide. Did anything come in the mail today? No. Did you ever feel like that before the Lord? That makes us his children, and it makes him God. His timing is perfect. And we have all these little cliches. He's never too late. He's never too early. He's at, but it's truth. So when we remember that a day to us is like a thousand years, 
and a thousand years is like a day. That's what it's like for God. That's how it feels for us. I gotta wait a thousand years? I won't even be alive to be healed. There's some things that, that just don't always grab. But God says that we need to trust him at all times, in all things. Because he has given us grace. The grace that goes beyond what we understand. I know when I've hit the end of my grace chain. And I don't know about y'all, but when that chain is done and you can't go anymore, grace stops right there. But God doesn't have a grace chain. Praise God he doesn't have a grace chain. He runs to us quickly and he gives us what we need. So this week, when you hear bad news, this week, when you see the unfulfilled promise, this week, when you feel like, I don't know, God, that's a whole lot of talking. She talks fast, only caught a part of it anyway. But, you know, you said and I don't see and, well, what am I missing? I'm telling you, ask God and he'll show you. I had a dear friend, she's one of my spiritual mothers, and she said to me, when you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and you don't get an answer, go back to God and say, God, am I praying right? Because God says we get, we will have what we ask when we ask with the right motive. I remember years ago when my husband wasn't serving the Lord and I'd whine and cry to my sister, oh, it's never going to happen. It's so hard. And she said, are you praying? Yes, I pray all the time. She says, why are you praying? Because I want him saved. Why do you want him saved? Okay, this is, a, okay. Now I know I'm in a problem, right? Because if I tell her the truth, I know it's coming back on me. So I'm t- thinking to my, myself, how can I answer this? I'm praying that he gets saved because he needs Jesus. And she said, that's right. But if you pray that he gets saved so your life is easier, then your prayer is wrong and God can't honor it. Okay, so first I pray God change my heart because it's not about me, it's about eternity. And I learned a lesson a long, long time ago. And I don't always walk in what I learned because sometimes I forget. But when you go before God, He's truth, and he knows all things. You can tell him anything you want, but he knows the truth. He knows your heart better than you do. So sometimes when we think we're doing praying right, that we're trying to do the right thing, and things just aren't happening like they should, go back to God and say, God, am I missing something? I know this isn't you, so what am I missing? That I can line up with what's on your plan, your heart, your mind. And I have found that every time I do that, my answers start coming through. Sometimes, they, like I said, I'm still waiting for some of my children, but that's not, that's not a heart issue of mine. That's the timing of God. He knows what it's going to take, and he knows where they're going to be and how he's going to get it. And I told them all the same thing. Paul, God knew how to get a hold of Saul and knock him off his high horse so he became transformed into a Paul. He knows how to get you too. And then I just love them. That's not hard. It's not hard at all to love those kids. And now Sammy doesn't do what he used to do. Now he drums. That thing is awesome. <laughs> He's a magnificent drummer. He has so much energy and he can go for hours. It's awesome. Our God is good. And he's faithful. And there is no good thing that he will withhold from those 
who walk uprightly. Psalms 34. That's an awesome chapter. It's an awesome chapter. It's filled with promises. If nothing else, go there and just read it all week and find out where you fit in that and what God wants to adjust and where God says, yeah, right there, park your tent there and then just trust him. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength because this is healing valley, not sick valley. And now that we're finding more and more people need hearts, I'm looking for God to give us an anointing in this house that people who have bad hearts will come here for prayer because somehow God is going to give us an anointing that unlocks the room of heart parts. And we're going to have new hearts. Billy's going to get one too. We prophesy that and decree it to be because God already said they have already been healed. I'm not not praying God's will. Well, it may not be God's will. I don't know. My Bible tells me healing is God's will. It says healing is the children's bread. Are you a child, Joe? There you go. Eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's let's close. And then I have a song. It's, it's, I don't know if you're going to know it or not. Personally, I don't like country music. You can all just say what you want to say. Again, I'm from Huntington Beach, California, okay? I am not a country folk. But I do like bluegrass, and this song is so good, and I hope it will make you smile because it's the truth of the word in a really fun way. So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your love. Bless Pastor Steve and Becky wherever they are, whether they're traveling or home or fellowshipping with friends or family. Father, I ask that you will have your way in us. You will have your way this week that we will line up with you and we will see you do what the Father does so well, which is heal the sick, raise the dead, bring peace to those who are troubled, bring provision to those who have lack, to bring joy and strength to all who are battling. And I thank you that your word is, all your promises are yes and amen. Hallelujah and glory to your name.